I'm gonna beef this one up. Yeah, first Let's try. See, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and bet one dollar that Keenan does not get through the sponsored post. Gotta read. Here we go. Hey y'all, welcome back to Direct the Podcast, episode number 17. My name is Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. And as always, this week's episode is sponsored by Eightfold Creative. And this week, we actually have a new sponsor, Film Supply. Film Supply is a full-service licensing agency that houses incredible, highly curated footage by myself and hundreds of other filmmakers. If you're looking for footage to fill the gaps or just build a treatment and need inspiration, check out filmsupply.com. This week, we are chatting with a super talented Julian Acosta. We talk about how music has played a large role in a lot of his work and how being a late bloomer to film can actually have its benefits. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, Julian, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So let me hear your three films that would describe you as a filmmaker? Oh, jeez. That's a tough question. Um, I mean, definitely Children of Men, one of my favorite films ever. Um, you know, that film was just so meaningful to me. I, I, I watched it so many times that it's got to be um, one of the most influential films for me. And um, Chinatown, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and something um, more recent, um, Whiplash. Um, oh yeah, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. You know that. Yeah, I'm, I, I just I'm love films. I love films that um, the characters have a lot of volition and and you know they're so focused on achieving something, you know, achieving their goal or achieving their objective that um, it, it's really beautiful and. And the cool thing I think about Whiplash too is that uh, it was a small film, and they they worked really hard on on creating that film. And and it's funny because sometimes when I watch Whiplash, I get choked up, and it's not always about the story; it's about the craft too, like behind the scenes. I I, I can feel sort of their honesty and 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 their hard work, and it and it's um really uh, affects me emotionally so um those i mean those films are are pretty influential in my life um i'm sure i'm sure i can lift off a bunch more you know uh i love the film rise i certainly love um films about rising up have you always been a big um fan of films or how are you introduced to filmmaking Oh man, you know, not, I, I actually am a, a much late, you know, I actually am a very late bloomer in the film world. Um, I took my very first film class when I was 26. So, I mean, I definitely had an appreciation for films and um, filmmaking and, um, but I didn't really... I didn't really think about it much and I'm, I'm not one of those filmmakers that, you know, had took their parents' camera when they were 10 years old and started making films. Um, I, and I'm always envious of that because uh, even though, you know, you're so young and you're making those films that uh, I think that experience is really valuable in shaping your craft. And, um, you know, I, I, I missed out on that. So I feel like I was making um, all of that, you know, sort of garbage, I guess, in my late twenties um, that I, you know, I wish that I was making at a much younger age because you know, you're, you're figuring out like your voice. Um, so it, it came like very late for me. Um, but of course, you know, I was very much uh, affected by, by films um and um, I just, you know, I, I just came in very late in the game. What? So what? What was your life? What were your interests before filmmaking? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So um, 
I mean, I guess I've always had some some interest in art in general. I I guess there's the tapes that exist um, that my mom my mom told me about. She found, and I'm a very young kid, um, and she says says what do you want to be when you grow up and I must have been five years old or something like that and, and I said I want to be an artist and then and then she says oh I thought you wanted to be an actor <laughs> and and I said well I want I want to be whatever makes me the most money <laughs> which um which is it's so funny obviously because um it's hard to make money doing either of those things um but yeah I mean I I definitely um, I definitely was interested in, in creative things. Um, I played like in bands when as a teenager, and um, you know, I was definitely really into music um, for a long time, and and wished that I could have, um, you know, been in a in a band and toured and that whole that whole thing. But I mean, obviously, obviously not um, that much because I, I wasn't that good and I didn't practice that much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I started filmmaking, one of the big things um, that I wanted to do was uh, music videos. And that kind of kind of sucked me in. I mean, I was really into uh, the directors of the time. Um, and... And I wanted to make music music videos, and it's funny too because, um, you know, budgets were decreasing rapidly, yeah. and I mean, by the time I got into it, which was not that long ago, um, budgets were were very small. But you know, when you're a student and you hear, uh, you know, a budget of tens of thousands of dollars, it sounds really attractive to you. Um, but you have no idea how expensive filmmaking is. So when did you get uh, started directing professionally? Like when did you kind of decide that I, I'm going to do this for a for a profession? So I went to BYU, and like I said, I was I was 26 when I took my very first film class, and it's a limited enrollment major. So I think I, I must have been 27 when I actually got into the major. Um, and I graduated, um, you know, a couple of years later, but like I said, I was also really interested in doing music videos. And as I was doing research to do, um, about music videos, uh, I noticed that all the directors were super young and they're like 20 and 21 years old and they're directing these huge music videos um, for artists I really liked and I felt this enormous amount of pressure to uh, compete with those guys and to, to get on that level so uh, while I was in school I, I shot a lot of stuff um, you know I, I my, my good friend um, and now business partner Cole Webley was uh, the the manager of the equipment room for our university. So he had the key. That's I, I, I got to interrupt you. Cause that's funny. Cause we Cole was literally our last guest on the podcast. I don't know if you knew that, but I, and, yeah. he, and he was talking about how great, uh, surprisingly great the film program was at BYU. So that's funny. Cause we had no, <laughs> we had no idea the two of you were connected at all. Oh, you, you didn't? No. Oh my gosh. Wait, honestly, funny. I literally had no idea. I knew that he had a production company, and I looked at it, and I looked at the roster, so I've seen your name before, and just didn't connect the dots. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. Yeah, so so Cole had the key to the equipment room, and you know you had to go through this lengthy process to try to get a project approved, but um, we were just, you know, take take their stuff and go shoot little projects here and there. And I mean, it was, it was sort of nothing, right? I mean, they, they didn't really turn out to be anything that was on my reel or, you know, or anything like that, but uh, it was good practice. Right. Do stuff like shoot, um, 
shoot all the film that was left over from projects that people just left in the refrigerator. And it's like, the, you know, these guys are never coming back to this stuff. We would just shoot, we would just shoot it all. But I mean, I think that a few times um, people did get mad that we took their film and shot it. It's like they're going to use it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, this, this answer is getting kind of long here, but I, I think that I, um, you know, I was doing stuff in school, um, but I wasn't really making enough money as a, you know, as a director to, to make ends meet. So, um, you know, I graduated in from film school in 2008 and then it took a couple of years for me to, I get to a place where I was actually making money. You know, um, when I when I first graduated from film school, I I supplemented my income with um, some editing jobs. Hmm. Um, and and by by saying supplemented my income, dude, I made I made such a small amount of money. I mean, under ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah, <laughs> it was really painful. And and the only way I would have made it was um, because my my ex wife. Um, we were married at the time and she worked and I was able to, you know, take the, the time to develop my career. But, um, it's really because, because of that. And she, you know, her, um, us, you know, us working together to try to make it happen for me. And it was hard, you know, um, it was, it was really hard to make it happen. It's, I, I don't think that, um, people understand how hard it is and 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 you know there's I think that there are a lot of filmmakers that come from money you know their Mm -hmm. families have money so um I'm definitely not one of those people um so uh, I I always envied those people because they had the flexibility of of um you know, working on their own stuff and probably working on things that are cool and, and building a reel and all of that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's extremely hard. I, um, I speak at a, a lot of universities um, and whenever I do that, I, I always make sure to tell them that this is extremely hard. Yeah. Um, well, maybe... Be ready for it. Yeah. I mean, could you speak a little bit about what the the patience what your patience looked like and how you were able to keep a positive attitude through that through that time of like the the struggle before you hit, kind of broke through yeah of course um i mean the struggle is constant right i mean it's and and you kind of get to this certain level of making uh, enough money to fund your life and then you realize um, you know you you need to make that money all the time or you need to make um, more than that and and so it's con- you know it's sort of constant right you you spend as much money as you make um, so you know being patient about it, mm-hmm. it, it it is important but at the same time you know you need to you need to be aggressive right you, you've got to you kind of constantly be shooting and, and, you know, I, I think there's definitely a time that you have to reflect on your progress and that helps, but, but yeah, the, the rejection can be very painful. The, um, um, how the stars sort of align for your career to happen, um, is, you know, very challenging. It's about, it's about a lot of really hard work and, and luck and timing. I mean, so much is, is about that. And it's, it's sort of shocking because I've seen, um, I've seen some directors that are, um, their talent level isn't as high as, um, other directors I've seen that have been very successful, but, but so much of it can be about timing and, and, um, timing and, and luck and, and, you know, and hard work, but, but certainly hard work is the, 
Yeah. It's a key element in, in being sort of patient as things progress in your career. So did was spec work a big factor in building your portfolio, building that reel, or how were you able to to build your reel and to start winning jobs or music videos? Yeah, so so spec work wasn't really part of my uh, of me working and and um, getting jobs or anything like that. I I've done um, two spec spots. Um, um, one of them never saw the light of day, and the other one I actually re- shot recently um, because I want to do sort of a different kind of work, and I I did it um, with I guess the sort of blessing and help of um, some creatives that I've worked with um, on a um, some other stuff, and you know. I, they wanted to do some different kind of work and I wanted to do some different kind of work. And like, hey, let's, let's work on this project together and then and then we can sort of figure out if your client can use this. And so it's it's a little bit of a different approach that I, I guess not sort of a true spec spot. Yeah. So I, I guess I did it a little bit different way because I um, I didn't have that much money to shoot a spec spot. I... Um, I would, you know, like I said, in school, I would, I would borrow the camera and, um, you know, I, I worked with a lot of bands and I, I wanted to do music videos so bad. So I was constantly going to shows and, um, and talking to bands after the show, you know, it's, I was like waiting with all the fans who just want, wanted to take a selfie with them and get their autograph or whatever. And then they, you know, if you can imagine them walking down the line of all these fans and then, then they get to me and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Is that a music video for you guys? It was, it was pretty, it was pretty embarrassing. And it's something that I would never do today. But, but then I was, I mean, I was super aggressive and hungry and, and I wanted to make it happen. So I started doing these little video projects um, for free and then just such a small amount of money and, um, I started, I started, um, you know, just, um, I, I, I started slowly, right. I would, I would shoot like a little, um, uh, like documentary or electronic press kit, I think is what they call them, mm-hmm. um, for these, these musicians. And then I would do a music video every now and then. And, and then, you know, um, I remember I did my first commercial. I was in film school, and our budget was seven hundred dollars. And um, it was like this little stop motion piece, and and I got it because one of my professors at BYU, Chris Kutry, um, he saw a stop motion thing music video that I did, and this agency. Um, one of the one of the creatives was starting a uh, a company with this product, and literally had seven hundred dollars to create some video content, and and my professor knew this creative, and he suggested me because he had seen that little music video piece, and I did that I did that um, I did that spot, and then I did other spots for that agency after I graduated and slowly I um, had this commercial reel. So um, it took a while, but, but um, you know, I kind of, I kind of did it through um, starting my own production company and um, you know, I have two business partners, Paul being one of them and, and Jared Harris. Um, yeah, so so it was uh, kind of a different path, I guess. So when did you sign kind of with your own production company, or did you kind of just um, start your own thing? Um, when did you kind of move to RSA? Oh, so I mean, I kind of I kind of did them simultaneously, mm. right? Because I I when I graduated um, when I graduated from school. <clears throat> 
pretty pretty quickly after graduating from school, um, me and um, Cole and Jared started this little company called St. Cloud, and we would do these little projects through St. Cloud, um, and St. Cloud is alive and thriving today. But then um, I wanted to, I wanted some, um, I wanted some representation in Los Angeles. So um, I started working with these artists, and you know, I I, I was with this really small company that uh, didn't quite do anything for me, and then I sort of bounced around to a few places, and and then um, you know, I was doing a lot of work at Columbia Records, and. Um, you know, my, my buddy Saul Lovitz was the, the um, music video commissioner there, and, and he and and um, Jamie Ravenue, my my music video rep, still to this day, I think really um, sort of shaped my career and and really um, got me into to the music video world. And then Jamie introduced me to the then EP. Um, at Black Dog at RSA, mm-hmm. um, and I got signed there. She was she was brand new, Colleen. She was brand new, and um, she was just coming in and going to start the job. And I think that she was just trying to sign a few directors so that she could come into the company and um, and and you know with a few directors that were her own. And, and um, yeah, so I started there, and and meanwhile, simultaneously, I was doing these little local and regional commercials now um, through St. Cloud. <clears throat> so there came a time where I wasn't really doing the kind of music videos that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, and and the, and I was tired of being poor. <laughs> you know, I was like stacking job on job on job, so just so I can make ends meet and. And by, by that time I was doing okay. You know, I, I was, I was getting by, I was making enough money. Um, but I needed to, you know, drastically increase my, my income. And, um, so meanwhile, when I'm doing these little regional spots, I would kill it on them. You know, I would, I would go to extra effort to make it something really great. So, um, I shot a reel basically um, through real clients and then took that to RSA on the um, commercial side. Um, and, you know, um, um, they signed me. So um, it was kind of a simultaneous effort. And, um, you know, I, 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 I didn't do it by myself. And that's why I keep, that's why I keep naming all of these, these names, um, because they deserve so much credit for really helping me make it. I right. mean, it, it's filmmaking is not a thing that you can can do on your own. I mean, these people were instrumental in my life and me making a career for myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean that's super important. Yeah, and it's I don't know, it's just really interesting how. I mean, it's the, the that's the reason we ask every director that comes on here kind of what their path looked like because it's always so different. There's so many different ways. There's not just this one true way, and yours yours definitely isn't an exception to that. It's very very unique journey. So I think it's I think it's really cool and something that's cool for people to hear, especially that the ones that are maybe getting into it later in life. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I I always. I always imagine it like, you know, like you're attacking someone or something, right? Like physically. Yeah. And, and it's not like you go in and you're, you're, you're smooth and you're, you're, you know, throwing a few punches. It's like you are, you run in kicking and screaming and flailing your arms and you're, you hope that something lands, right? Mm -hmm. It's that, it's that kind of idea. I think to, to be able, for me at least to make it as, it was every direction, mm-hmm. um, everything that I can do was going to help the effort. Um, and, and it did, you know, and, it, and, you know, I've been with RSA now for, um, about five years and, 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 you know, there's a little bit more security there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes you just have to kind of 
attack it mm-hmm. as many angles as you can. So where do you look for inspiration or where does your inspiration come from? You know, you know, uh, my inspiration comes from all sorts of places, definitely other people's work, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really inspiring to see uh, something that's done really well and that um, makes you feel something. Um, but, but so much of my inspiration right now, currently, um, just comes from real life and having experiences that um, are unusual or, um, or diving into a world that um, isn't your own. Um, that kind of stuff is, is, I think, really inspirational for me. It really helps me think about stories and, and how people behave. And, um, and I try to put myself in those kind of situations, too, that... Um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like uh, the Warner Herzog idea of you know don't don't go to film school. Um, what does he say? Um, something like uh, don't don't go to film school. Um, you know, backpack across the country or become a bouncer at a strip club or <laughs> um, you know do these things that are out of character. Basically, is what he's saying. And and I have that same sort of idea. Um, I, I may not be that extreme, but definitely I try to put myself in situations that are unlike me and uncharacteristic. And, and I get to observe like how beautiful life is. So, um, that, that's definitely a part of my inspiration and in trying to, trying to make moments of inspiration and savor those moments too. I mean, just, just the other night, um, I'm shooting this, um, spot for, Samsung in Los Angeles right now and and there's a ton to shoot and and me and the DP have been going out at night and shooting these little extra scenes just just the two of us and I've been calling all of my actor friends and and saying hey you know come be in this little scene and and it's just going to be you know just three the three of us and we're going to shoot something and so I, <laughs> we're shooting downtown LA and this homeless woman came up to us and asked us, well, was, you know, standing probably a foot away from our actor <laughs> as she was trying to do the scene. And then she, you know, we stopped and she asked for some money. And then um, she took this long drag of her cigarette after we told her we didn't have any cash, unfortunately. Um, and she just stared at us and took this long drag. And instead of saying, hey, we're trying to work here or something like that, we just let it happen. And it was really interesting because, you know, we're like, we were um, four different people that come from very different walks of life. And and it's cool to just uh, interact with, with people that um, are unlike you. And that sort of thing is really inspiring. Like that, what what just happened there that night might end up in a film later for me because Mm. it was such a interesting situation. So, I mean, a lot, a a lot of inspiration for me comes in, in that form. Yeah. I've, I've definitely found that uh, situations like that, just like staying, staying open to the situation and letting things like develop like that often because it kind of can go against your gut like if you're you're in the middle of doing something and someone comes in and starts talking to you you want to just be like yeah yeah i'm busy and kind of brush them off but staying open to like oh maybe this person's an interesting character that actually has something to say that's from a different perspective i feel like that's it can be a challenge to do that but it for me and in my experience in the past i've always like appreciated that I did that. Like I had a guy, like a, he wasn't a homeless guy, but he's kind of crazy. He came up to me in Starbucks a couple of weeks ago and just starts talking to me about like conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And I was like, I feel like the old me would have just been like, all right, man, like I gotta, I gotta get back to work. But instead I just like ended up talking to him for like 20 minutes and crazy conversation. But I feel like stuff like that is 
just like staying open in those situations can often lead to ideas and new perspectives and right. stuff. Right. And, and seeing the world in somebody else's eyes, which is, which is great and, and so valuable even beyond filmmaking. Um, I, I really like that. It's, it's, it's great. And, and I do, I do things, I go to events that might not, um, again, be my jam, like even something that's sort of personal. Like I went to my, high school reunion just recently and um you know i i if i wasn't a filmmaker i probably wouldn't go because yeah you know most of my close friends are going and it's just it's just not my vibe but i went there and i wanted to hear all the stories i wanted to see how people interact that haven't seen each other in so long and and you know, and I and I took notes, which is so funny. <laughs> I, I just was envisioning myself like, oh, can you say that again? And I took out my <laughs> notebook and write it, write it down. But I really did. I, I when I got back to my hotel after my reunion, I wrote down a lot of things that people talked about and, and things to said, and and not because I think that it's um, it's weird or or. Um, or, you know, poking fun or anything like that. It definitely wasn't anything like that, but it was just like, this is, this is a world I'm not super familiar with now anymore. And I need to write this stuff down because, um, I need to know about people and how they, um, navigate the world, a world that, um, is not my own. Um, so, you know, it's really important for me to make those sort of observations and be inspired by people's lives. Yeah, kind of in that same vein of kind of diving into um, like a character's perspective or people that you meet perspective. You've done a lot of stuff in the NBA recently, or a lot of like with a lot of athletes. Can you talk a little bit about how that kind of came about with these these kind of sports spots? They're not, you know, they're not necessarily for sports brands, but they in- incorporate athletes and kind of how they came about and what you've learned from that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that I've been doing all these sports spots because I am not really into sports myself. Um, it's pretty embarrassing, to, to be honest. You know, my my girlfriend is really into um, sports, and and um, you know, whenever she's watching a game, she has about a, a thousand selfies that she's taking with me uh, falling asleep on the couch like totally out during the Super Bowl you know um, so so when I started doing these NBA spots it's kind of like what we just talked about um, I really jumped in um, and wanted to see the world through these guys eyes and now I'm like super into sports you know um, I watched you know, I watched the playoffs um, and I watched the finals uh, in the NBA and and it was really weird. I started cheering and yelling at the TV, which felt um, bizarre, right? <laughs> and it just happened spontaneously. It's not like I planned to yell at the TV, but when it happened, I I was taken back and. I had a moment there where I was like, did that really just happen? Did I yell at the TV? Um, but working with um, all of these athletes is, is, has been super cool because um, I've gone from seeing some of these, um, you know, working with the number one draft pick last year, and we shot this little spot with him. I think it was four days before he um, was drafted to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And they lit, he and his mom lived in this in a little house um, in Maryland, and you know they they couldn't have been better people. They were such amazing people. I mean, um, I couldn't think of anybody that deserved uh, what they what they got more than these people. They worked really hard. They were honest. They were real. And then I also have worked with um, uh, athletes that are much more established in their career, and it's just—it's just been super great to see um, to see what these guys' lives are like, and to, to try to 
sector to be um, interested in things that they're interested in and, um, and capturing their lives um, has been very interesting and, and, and uh, new for me. Another really, really cool spot you did, kind of sports-based, uh, was with the Utah Jazz. Um, yeah. That one specifically seems really, like, far in scope. Like, it seems like there's a, a lot of scenes and a lot of talent. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that was producing that and kind of, like, the logistics behind that many scenes and that many different kind of characters? Yeah, that that spot was sort of massive in scale. Um, and And you know, the agency only had enough money to shoot, um, I don't want to say half, but, um, probably pretty close, um, uh, of all of those different scenes. And, and I would, and they brought me in early. So I was working with them, um, with the creative and we were kind of developing some ideas together. Um, you know, they, they had this, the script and, and I see you guys like we just need to shoot all of this stuff and you know, I was working with a new DP for that um, Sean Bagley he he was a young guy just out of um, AFI and and it's funny because he I'd heard around the way that he um, wanted to work with me and I was like I you know, we're kind of at different places in our career. And I don't know if I mm. could, um, you know, I need to, I, I like to have a DP that has a lot of experience to work with me, probably more experience than me. Cause it's, it's really nice to have, um, somebody on your team that, um, has been there when, when times are tough and you're trying to figure stuff out. But, um, it turned out that, um, this other DP didn't work out or something like that. And, and, I had seen something that Sean had done and it was really good. So, um, you know, I called him up and I knew that he was going to be young and hungry and just like me, you know, I wanted to make something really cool. So we went to extra efforts and did a bunch of stuff on our own. Um, and we just shot, um, everything that the agency wanted and we didn't even tell the agency with some of the stuff we just went out and shot it and I set it up myself and um, you know like there's there's um, a scene where it's like Utah bull riders and they're jet they're, they're, these people were really um, jazz fans and they also were um, you know, bull riders and, and it was so interesting to see that and talk to them because you know, I would have never thought in a million years that these guys were um, really into basketball. They were, um, you know, lived like a real like cowboy lifestyle. But that whole scene, we I set it up by myself, and and I called a friend, a family friend, and he um, directed me to them, and we met up and we shot this scene. They did it for free, um, and we just had the camera and, and went out and shot, and ended up in the spot. But you know, it was only because I was doing that that kind of stuff. I was going to extra efforts to to make something really beautiful that um, I think it turned out just as good as it did. So, as far as like putting putting new talent on the spot that the agency didn't approve, like did they make a big deal about that, or were they pretty? Did you have them sign like your own kind of contracts when you worked with them, or were they just was the agency pretty chill about it? I think, I think you always have to sort of suss it out and see how they're feeling and how um, relaxed or rigid they're going to be um, when you have that amount of stuff to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were really open to, to me, I think, taking charge and, and putting a, their, my own spin on the spot. Um, and they were, because they were super collaborative, that's the only way that, that, um, we came out with something that's good. But I mean, I've definitely been on jobs where the agency was much more rigid than that. Um, everything needed to be approved. It needed to be there for every single shot that we, we needed to talk about every single shot after, um, 
so you you kind of just have to suss it out i think with the creatives with the agency and just see how they're how they feel i'm kind of in this um same situation now with this job that i'm shooting currently with samsung um, it's massive you know there's so much to shoot um and there's there's stunts and there um you know there's huge art pieces um and and you know there's more there's more to shoot than we can afford in the amount of days you know there's just not enough hours so I, me and um, the CP have been, just been out and, and shooting all this extra stuff. And, you know, I talked to the agency and I said, hey, like, I will shoot these vignettes for you, but you have to be okay with it, that you're not going to be there, that I'm going to choose all the wardrobe and I'm going to choose all the actors on my own. And they've been cool with it. They've been, they've been super collaborative. So um, you, I think that you just have to find the right people um, and the, the right time that's appropriate and not every job is going to be that way. Right. Um, but, but certainly they do exist and, um, you can, you can have that situation. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned earlier about having coming from a music background and I thought that was really interesting because one of the things I was planning on asking you about was the fact that a lot of your work seems to have a very, rhythmic pacing to it specifically this this jazz spot that we're talking about um is no exception to that do you think do you think that that comes from having that musical rhythmic backgrounds of coming from the music world oh yeah definitely definitely and i i like to edit um and whenever i can i like to um jump in and and click the the mouse myself um i'm thinking about the spot i shot for smirnoff um there's an international spot and we were cutting um at this post house and this editor was just um we weren't really jiving well um i'm sure he's a great editor for certain kind of director but i don't think i don't think we were the right match but the guy was like this heavy smoker <laughs> i mean it felt like every five minutes he was leaving and going outside and smoking a cigarette and probably after like his third or fourth cigarette i was like gosh i need to i'm just gonna jump in and start cutting when he's gone and i did that you know he <laughs> it was so funny because he like comes back from his smoke break and I'm sitting in his chair and cutting and I was like, Oh no, no. And he's like, hope you're not offended. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, click the match here a little bit. <laughs> and, and, and it was cool. You know, it was, it, we, we did that um, kind of back and forth for a while um, until we had, you know, a rough cut and, and it was, a, you know, very musically driven and, you know, I played the drums, um, and I, I think playing the drums and editing really go hand in hand with one another because you can really find rhythm yeah. in your cut. So, um, yeah, you know, definitely it's affected um, my my work playing playing music and. And I, I mean, I've got to be real here. I'm not, I'm barely a musician. I was like, I love to be in bands. I'm, I'm in a little band right now. And I, I was in a band in college and but I'm always the weakest link <laughs> because I'm not that good. Yeah. I'm like just good enough to be in like a punkish band, you know? Um, and, and, and then I'm always on the verge of getting kicked out of the band because I can never practice. And I'm not that good. It's like two things that really don't um, go well together. But I love to play music, and it does. It really does help. Um, so you know, I do. I do all of my own director's cuts. Um, so any director's cut that is on my reel, I I cut it myself, um, including some of that um, Delta stuff. Yeah. Um, so kind of back out to a more general question uh, that we like to ask our um, people that come on the podcast. Um, what are your favorite and least favorite parts of directing? 
my least favorite part sometimes are are sort of the things in prep like um I don't like going to callbacks. Um, it's 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 painful a little bit, right? To see you said some of the actors that don't get the role and 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 they know it that they're not going to get the role and it's like such a bummer to them. I hate seeing that. And and, and most of the reason I actually hate callbacks is I hate repeating myself over and over to a hundred different people about what we're trying to do here. Um, and uh, you know, it, it it that that can be really challenging. And then you know, the the pitching process is really hard for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a super strong writer. I have, actually have a lot of writer's block or anxiety for writing. I you know stare at a blank screen for hours and hours and hours. Um, you know that that is something really challenging for me, but. Um, but there's so many things that I love. I love being on set. I love um, hanging out with crew. I mean, in some ways, it's a sort of like forced friends, right? I'm paying my friends, paying these guys to hang out with me. <laughs> but it's like super, it's, it's really fun for me to be on set and to collaborate with people and have a good time. I always like to have a set that's um, very vibrant and 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 fun and friendly um we all want to have a good time um so i mean definitely being on set is a huge thing and then i mean i think my my very favorite you realize that you have something great um i was recently reading um, an article um with spike jones uh editor and he's talking about his process and he says, you know, writing. Um, I'm, I'm probably butchering this here with a paraphrase, but it says something in effect of he has these different stages um, as he's editing. You know, when he first starts, he thinks, like, I'm, I'm creating something amazing. This is going to be so good. And then it starts to quickly drop off and he starts thinking, I don't know if I have something here. And you know, he def then he thinks like I definitely don't have something here. What am I going to do? And then something like something of the sort at the end is like, oh I I'm at the genius point. You know, this is amazing. I've uh you know I've crafted something really great. And it's it's really for me that last little bit that when you just realize um, there are just a few elements that you're kind of dropping into in post you know, that are making this final product and you feel so happy about it. I mean, that's probably definitely one of my, my favorite times. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, the, the last question we like to end on is what is something that you know now that you wish you would have known starting out? It can be more than one thing. I guess I wouldn't really do anything very different from what I've done already to handle that little bit of information of, of knowing what it would be like, but maybe I could just sort of brace myself a little bit better. Does that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because that, that sort of thing is helpful, I think. Um, but yeah, that's a real, that's a real, um, that's a real challenge. I, I don't really think about that. You know, that's a real challenging question. Yeah. Um, it's funny because maybe some of it's sort of all water under the bridge now, but thinking about it full, um, in the future, yeah, there's definitely, um, stuff that I wish that I knew now. Yeah. Um, how things are going to go and um, what are the best ways to um, to uh, accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. And, and, and like I said um, earlier, I was talking about um, I, was, I was talking about how I'd like to work with experienced crew members. Um, 
you know, I, I always ask them lots of questions as, as if I'm a brand new director. You know, I was just on a scout yesterday and I was asking these questions to them about how they felt about um, doing uh, spec projects or short films tacked onto the end of a, of a commercial. Mm-hmm. And the, my production designer was talking about how he, how he did that a lot with Sam Bayer and, um, and about how he felt about it. And, um, and I wanted to know like what his vibe was, like, how did you, and was that something that you, um, felt good about? Or, you know, I ask all of these questions because as my career is developing, I want to know those answers. So, it's hard to think about um, things in the past, but certainly I feel like I know those things in the future. One other thing I was just thinking about are the relationships. And I think that definitely that was something that I wish I would have understood a little bit better coming up is how important relationships are and that you're not in this alone. Um, and like I was talking about earlier, I keep naming names because I want you guys to know and whoever is listening that um, you aren't in it alone. And you, and all of these people that I've come across um, in my life, um, I feel like they deserve credit um, because you know, they helped me get to where I am now. Um you know, from starting from Emily, my my ex-wife, to you know my my EP at RSA now, Tracy Northfleet. Um, these people have been instrumental in in me um, accomplishing goals in my career and making it happen. Um, and and I think you know I don't ever want to take those people for granted, um, and I want to make sure that. Um, I, I understand and remember, um, that it's through these relationships that together we can rise up together. We can, um, make something really great, um, because you can't do it alone. So making it's something that you can't do, do alone. And I don't mean that, um, literally on set either. Um, that's, that's the obvious answer, right? Yeah. Because. You can't you can't make a film on your own. You need, you need all of these things to um, to all of these different parts, right? These moving parts of of production to actually make it happen. But behind the scenes, it's the same way. Um, from your executive producers to um, your your um, your personal relationships. I mean. Um, all of those things um, come together and, and then you've got something. So there you have it, guys. That was Julian Acosta. Thank you for tuning in this week. Hope you will join us next week when we are back with another episode of Directed Podcast with some new questions and a new director. Until then. Bye. Until then, the end, right? Yeah. Okay, cool.